For 34 years, Matt Kearns has roamed the basketball court as a dedicated high school basketball official. Dedicated to the game, dedicated to the student-athletes, the Sagamore Hills, Ohio resident started his officiating career as a student at Bowling Green State University, picked it back up in Northeast Ohio, brought his talent to Northwest Ohio, then returned to Northeast Ohio. He's a member of the Trumbull County, Lake Erie, and Portage County Basketball Officials Associations in Northeast Ohio. He's a certified instructor for the Basketball Officials class and a former member of the 5th District Officials Association in Northwest Ohio. Matt's also worked three regional tournament, uh, tournament games. Uh, like last week's episode, this week's show is special to me because Matt was one of my first mentors. He showed interest in me as a young official, provided me with plenty of critiques, was nitpicky with my look. In fact, he strongly suggested one time that I shave my neck hair because it looked more professional and the hair was sticking out of my uniform. Uh, he was nitpicky with my mechanics. Uh, more importantly, while he was offering me tips and critiques, he provided much affirmation. That means positive feedback that kept me upbeat and excited about basketball officiating. In today's episode, you'll enjoy Matt's casual conversation, his personality, and his outlook on high school basketball officiating. As you know, Matt is owner of PQ2 LLC, the major sponsor of this podcast, and he is providing this episode nearly commercial free. I hope you enjoy the episode and come back to listen to previous and future episodes. So welcome to another edition of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick. And today's guest is another special guest for me, um, Matt Kearns, who everybody by now that has listened to the podcast really ought to know and know his voice uh, as the major sponsor with his company, PQ2 LLC. And uh, Matt, it goes beyond um, it goes beyond that for me because Matt is is my first mentor that I had uh, in my officiating career. So to me, this is a real honor to have him on the show. So Matt, uh, welcome to this podcast. Ah, thanks, Mark. You humble me. <laughs> so talk about the season a little bit. How are things going? Well, it's, you know, I I think the uh, National Federation should have put an addendum in the rule book, you know, what to do during a pandemic. But I don't think any of us had a clue what, you know, what we were going to, you know, endure, what we were going to see, how we were going to react to it. And, you know, I give a lot of credit to, you know, anybody that's involved in trying to, you know, have some sense of normal, uh, be it in the fall sports, football or you know, and what we're trying to get done in basketball. I, I've got a lot more cancellations than I do games, but, um, you know, uh, I think everyone's doing the, the absolute best they can. You know, it's, uh, I don't think any of us ever thought we'd, I, th I think we're lucky that we're even playing. How about that? Yeah. And after 34 years as an official, you, you know, when you just think you've seen everything, this comes upon us, right? Yeah. And you know what? I actually, uh, you know, if I'm over there um, chop doing the chop at the beginning of the game, you know, I walk by both benches and remind them that, you know, we're doing do it during warm up. But you know, I'll go by each bench and remind them that tonight's a gift. You know, go out and make something good happen. Play great, be great. Because um, we just don't know if we're gonna get through it all or. You know, tonight's going to be the last night we get to play. Yeah. So, um, you know, a little encouragement is, I think we all need some of that. Yep. Well, in this podcast, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, kind of our history, but uh, really it, it's also for the officials' um, education, too. And uh, one thing I want to talk about is our first encounter, but I kind of want to save that for the pregame. So I'll go to the next talking point, which, you know, as, as a mentor – you took myself and uh, probably uh, a handful of other officials to the YMCA uh, for what, what I would call training. 
uh, <laughs> at uh, basketball games there. They had an adult league there, and uh, that was a real eye-opener, I know, for me. So talk uh, a little bit about your mentorship with some of the officials that you've had uh, and why you decided to take them over to that <laughs> training facility. It's because it's because I didn't like any of them. <laughs> that wasn't training. That was combat. <laughs> and and you know, there that age group, you know that that played in that adult league. I mean, you, you know, you had some pretty good high school players. You know, all the way up to you know some guys that were in their forties, late mid to late forties, and um, you know, I always always used to kid some of the guys that you know used to have the uh the the loudest objections to what you know what did or didn't get called and I'm like you know come on dude you know your mind said do this and your body didn't cooperate but um you know there uh it was it was fun it was a lot of fun but taking guys over there um and it was three man and you got hey come on face it you got paid cash on the spot so who right. didn't like that right exactly but to go over there and you know take a little grief from these uh from these adults who uh enjoyed the game of, of basketball as much as we did i really do think uh was an iron sharpens iron yeah. and uh you know you you go in and you know put up with some guy that's you know, used to be six three, you know, one seventy five, now six three, two sixty five. <laughs> and uh, you know, have him start yelling at you and, you know, looking look, looking mean and, and breathing down your face or knocking you into the uh to the pads at the end of the gym. It was it was a lot of fun and, and, and listen, I think the the idea is is that if you can if you can learn under intense situations, it's certainly for a lot of the, the folks that we took over there, it made, um, it really allowed them to kind of, if you will, um, jump into a, a, a game with, you know, a high school or a JV game, having, having some, uh, some battle scars or having some good experience game management skills under their belt, because I think, I think we had a pretty quick trigger when it came to tees <laughs> and, uh, and, and, you know, uh, reminding, uh, the players exactly, you know, who was in control of the, uh, the game that night. So I don't know if that makes sense or if that makes sausage, but yeah. it was, uh, you know, it was a lot of fun and, and, you know, to have the number of guys that were willing to go do it. Um, I don't know. Tell me better for the experience oh yeah no question it was because you had to learn how to put up with their antics over there and and it wasn't um you know the rule was is that if they swore uh it was a technical foul automatic technical foul and then if they received two technical fouls they were thrown out of the league for what one or two games or something like that right right and so that kind of put them in their place right away but it didn't remove them from you know, giving us grief throughout the game. And, and really that helped me uh, in my patience level in dealing with coaches, with fans. Uh, and players don't say too much. They, they have this year. But, uh, but in, in years past, um, that, I really go back to that why experience for training me to be more patient with uh, some of the things that are said. But, you know, when you look at what happened at the Y and you look at what happened in my first game, my first varsity game that I had, nothing compares to my first varsity game, which I had with you, Matt. And um, I don't know if you recall this. I'm, you, you have to recall this because I know we've talked about it before. We had to show up early for the game and um, you went out and did the JV game in the first half. I was going to do the second half. And lo and behold, when I went in to get dressed, my shirt, the striped shirt was missing. I had no idea where it was. I was uh, a little excited. I wanted to call home and have my wife bring it an hour away, bring an extra one. And uh, you were out on the floor probably just having a good old time. Do you remember hiding my jersey on that first varsity game of mine, Matt? Oh, you know what? I, I guess there are some traditions that need to be passed down, but, um, and, and I've never had an original thought in my life that, um, 
that was an old trick of a fella that I worked my very first varsity game with in the Northeast District over in Warren, a little place called Southington, which is in Trumbull County. Uh, Don Fowler was the meanest SOB to ever put on striped shirts. He was in a, he was the assistant principal at Warren G. Harding High School. Um, you know, it looked like Sergeant Carter from Gomer Pyle. He had the, you know, the butch haircut and he, you couldn't get this guy to crack a smile. Nicest guy. He would give you the shirt off his back. But man, I tell you what, when you went out on the floor with him back then, it was two men. Um, you knew that he had your back, but Don was a prankster. And um, I had been warned previously that uh, he was going to hide something, whether it was the, you know, your socks or one of your shoes or whatever. So you, you just got the hidden shirt that night, but going back to that first game, I didn't let that guy out of my sight from the minute he walked into the gym. When I saw him come in, I followed him to the locker room (laughs) and then, you know, sat with him. If he got up to go to the bathroom, I went with him. I mean, I wasn't going to let this guy out of my sight. And um, so I got dressed with a full complement of gear and thought I was uh, in good shape. Obviously, I was going to toss since I was the junior guy that night. And I started to run towards the other side of the floor after starting lineups national anthem. And he goes, hey. And I turn around, he goes, your zipper's down. I look down, he goes, I got you. <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah. So the, the shirt thing was um, a, a little uh, nod to Don Fowler. <laughs> Well, as people know in this podcast, we break it off into multiple sections. We have the pregame section, the first and second quarters. We break for halftime. We go into the third and fourth quarters, have the postgame and the five quick decisions as well. And a little twist on today's episode is going to be, it's going to be commercial free because we know that throughout the season, you've heard Matt talk about PQ2 LLC. And uh, so today he's offering it up commercial free. Um, and we are going to talk just a little bit about it eventually, but um, thank you, Matt, for doing that. Uh, so we'll head right in to the pregame. And uh, we talked a little bit uh, uh, earlier that I wanted to hold off on the pregame discussion. You know, my first JV game was with you, and you had actually moved over to Northwest Ohio, was starting to build uh, your name, and, and you were taking JV games just to get your name out. And I was coaching basketball at that time. I was coaching seventh grade boys basketball at Defiance Junior High School. And so after my game, I got a phone call and they asked if I would want to go over to Defiance to do a JV game. They, they couldn't get another official or the other one called in sick or whatever. So I get over there and I think maybe it was my third game and uh, I get into the locker room. You're dressed already and you're sitting on the bench and you're ready for a pregame. I had never encountered a pregame i had heard about it through the class but nobody had ever uh, had a pregame with me in my first two games and that has always stuck with me about uh after that the importance of that pregame and from there it was you know it was it was great after that but um talk about the importance of that pregame and some of the things that you go over in your pregames Oh my goodness. I am, I I am a believer that I don't care if you and I've worked together 10 games, one game, 50 games that uh, we're going to do a pregame. I I just think that, you know, reinforcing everything, you know, whether it's those pregame boards or, you know, you, you have a printed sheet. I just think there are things that every night you need to be reminded of um you know if it's and and it's starting with you know when we're taking the floor counting players you know 12 10 and 2 um you know officiating your primary uh double whistles i mean it's everything and that one night that you don't do it you could be surprised and and find yourself in a jackpot situation where you know one of my things that I heard a long, long time ago. If you can't explain it, don't call it. Um, I just think you're setting yourself up for an unexpected surprise that, you know, nobody, nobody really wants to uh, have happen during a game and, and communication like anything, whether it's in 
business or officiating or your personal life, you know, effective communication um, is really going to help um, make things go smoother. Um, tell me a little bit about some of the lessons that you've learned early in your officiating career that really had an impact on you. You know, I think as in, you know, with everything, I, I think humility is, uh, is an important trait that I picked up from just watching a lot of guys. Um, you know, nobody, I said it in one of the commercial uh, spots, nobody comes to see us officiate. I think we've, we've been given, you know, the coolest opportunity. Um, if you love basketball, officiating is such a neat way to stay close to the game, right? Mm -hmm. Um, best, best seat in the house. Uh, you get to, you, you get to develop relationships, uh, with some very cool people, men and women that, that officiate. Um, and, honestly think you know if life's 80 20 80 percent of us leave our egos in the car and go in and you know do it for the love and the betterment of the game of basketball so i think humility is is kind of the one thing that i've always tried to embrace um you know during my time um officiating talk about your journey into officiating what got you interested in putting on the stripes <laughs> I had gotten out of the army. Um, I was out in Monterey, California, got out of the army, came back and, um, I was, I graduated from Bryan high school and, uh, came home and then ended up enrolling at, uh, Bowling Green State University. I did not need a physical education credit, but I, uh, I took basketball officiating as a, uh, as a college course and, you know, worked a bunch of, uh, intramurals down at BG. So that was kind of the, uh, that's how I got into it. And then I moved to Tennessee, um, got married, moved to Tennessee, didn't do anything with it until we moved back. Um, started working for a toy company in uh, Macedonia and uh, actually in the school district that we live now and so i got a call from somebody don't even remember who and it was a uh, it was a charity uh celebrity charity event at the school uh nordonia high school and it was the big chuck and little john all-stars and i think they were playing uh, uh, the Cleveland Browns or something like that. It was one of those fun charity events. And uh, um, Big Chuck was, you know, TV star. Little John was um, a dwarf fella that, you know, had a great sense of humor, comedy type routine. And uh, they came into the locker room and they said, who wants the shaving cream? And I raised my hand because I knew if it, I could wipe off shaving cream, the other guy that I worked with, a, another very young official, took the bucket of water toward the end of the game. And um, that was my very, very first game. Didn't count for anything other than, uh, you know, going out and not blowing the whistle because we, we had no control over what was going on that night. It was, um, but you know, that was my first game. And then in 86, I guess, yeah, 86, uh, I moved over to Warren and one of the guys that I worked with had a rule book on his desk and I, um, asked him, Oh, you know, what are you, what are you doing with that? And Ken healed was the guy's name. And, you know, class one varsity. And I told him I was an official and he told me to uh, make sure I was current and he would hire me for all my JV or all his JV games. And that was kind of the, you know, the real beginning of officiating for me was getting in a car with Ken Heald and driving all over Northeast Ohio. Oh yeah. And you talked a little bit about your varsity experience. Do you remember your first game and the nerves that you had to go through when the uh, ball was tipped? Oh gosh. Yeah. It was at this little school in Northern Trumbull County, uh, West Farmington, which is no, doesn't even exist any longer. It was this little band box of a gym where the over and back line, <laughs> was in the backcourt. Oh, yeah. One of those, you know, yep. one, it was a little pit of a gym. <laughs> and um, 
So I never worked a seventh or eighth grade or a freshman game. My first game was a JV game. So um, Ken told me, you know, if you want to do things right, show up an hour before. And I drive into West Farmington, and I'm my car is the only car on the street. There's some Amish buggies driving around and whatnot. <laughs> I pull up to the school parking lot's completely empty except for a pickup truck. Knock on the door. The janitor lets me in. Looks at me. I said, "Well, I'm here to work the JV games." He said, "You're kind of early, aren't you?" <laughs> and uh, so he uh, he puts me in the teachers' lounge, across down the hall and across the hall from the from this band box of a of a gymnasium and uh tells you know says go ahead and get under he he said go ahead and get undressed your co-official should be along pretty soon she's usually um you know here about a half hour before and i said she not only my first game is a jv game but i'm working with a female and uh, ended up being nidra bowen who um, legendary in Northeast Ohio, um, little spark plug of a gal. And, and I'll, I'll give you one quick story. I, it probably took me in midway through the second quarter to even put air in the whistle. I was, I was wetting myself and it was not very good basketball. And, um, and I finally got air in the whistle and went down underneath to administer free throws. Now white shooting and um, free throws made, and White steps out of bound with the ball right under my nose, inbounds the ball to the White, and we're going the going towards the blue basket. And I just remember a little blue four going, but Raph, it's our ball, it's our ball. <laughs> so I blow the whistle, and I call Nidra over, and the and the blue coach wanted a piece of meat easily within the first quarter, and he's one of those. He's a mountain of a guy. And I explained to Nidra that I let the team that was shooting free throws inbound the ball and we're going the wrong. She said, no problem. We're just going to correct it. And we start walking over to explain to the coaches. And this guy, seriously, he was, he, he really did want a piece of me. And she said, you know what? You better sit down, calm down, or you're going to stay sat down. And I looked at her and I'm like, all right, we got this. And, uh, God bless Nidra Bowen. So yeah, that was my very first, uh, game where I actually drew a paycheck <laughs> and should have given it back. <laughs> How about your first varsity game? Well, that was with Don Fowler. Right. That was, the, that was the prankster. And, uh, you know what I had, I had some great mentors, um, you know, in the Warren area, the, you know, probably the two of the more premier officials, uh, Mark Page and Pat Layshock, uh, Robbie Lee's in that group. They uh, they really um, worked with me to hone my skills. And, you know, back then, it, it really was a pay your dues kind of a deal. But um, maybe they saw something. But they, um, you know, scrimmages and whatnot, they invited me to, uh, you know, as many scrimmages as I could you know, um, get to, and, and they really were hard on me. Um, they enjoyed it. I think they enjoyed being hard on me because I took it well. And, um, you know, so I was ready. I, I really, and, you know, we're going to talk about what do you, what do you tell a younger, younger official these days, but, you know, patience and things like that. But, you know, I had some great, great guys that uh, worked with me. And I think that's why I took such an interest in, you know, finding, finding younger officials that wanted to learn, had goals and try and help them too. Well, that is the end of our pregame. We are going to go right into our first quarter where we talk about coaches and communications. And um, I think one thing that I learned from you, Matt, was by watching your ability to communicate effectively with coaches uh, talk a little bit about you dealing with coaches early in your varsity career as opposed to today. And what are some of the most beneficial tactics that have worked for you in dealing with coaches? Well, <laughs> I'm a lot uh, nicer today than I than I was as a uh, young varsity official. And, and I, I think, again, it's, it is communication. It's, you know, being approachable. Uh, I think your body language has a lot to do with it. I think you, um, I think we have an opportunity to set a tone 
in those and we're not doing it this year because of the pandemic but when you go across with your co-officials and have that 30 second um you know visit with each head coach um you know put a smile on your face man you know i i have a ton of respect for what coaches um have to do um you know they get they get paid to coach and um you know they're they're getting measured on wins and losses generally and uh, so you got to respect that you know for some of these folks that you know men and women that are that are coaches it's uh it's a livelihood it, it could be you know a stepping stone to the next job um and so i think you got to respect it and show them you know some measure of respect um you know the um the idea is and early in my career i i think i was the guy that would say had enough sit down um today i i give them every opportunity to express themselves and and you know kind of keep it um keep it to you know to a point where it doesn't become unsporting or it doesn't become a distraction to what we're doing but listen they they work just as hard as we do maybe harder um so yeah i'm way more tolerant today than i was um, as a younger official any specific uh, examples or encounters that you've had with a coach that might help out a younger official um, when when dealing with somebody that might be uh, amped up and, and uh, animated on the sidelines and you were able to do some things that uh, brought them back down a level? Well, I, I use the uh, – I have used over the years the I got something on the ball. I got to get in front of that coach – get a towel from the bench and wipe off that ball and um, just have a, 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 a very direct um, conversation, you know, short, brief conversation while I'm getting whatever fake foreign materials on the ball <laughs> off of it and let them know, listen, man, we hear you, um, you know, give them a, give them a chance to, you know, um, say what he needs to say and, and without it becoming a confrontation. I think a lot of guys, uh, men and women, have appreciated that kind of an approach that I'm not out there to show them up. And, you know, we're, we're actually out there for the kids. Both of us are out there for the kids. I think that's one little tactic that, uh, you know, has served me well over the years. Any memorable coaches that you uh, have any stories about? Well, you know, going back to a, uh, one of your previous guests, Dave Fralick, down in uh, in uh, Van Wert, um, he he brought. <laughs> I love working for that guy, um, <laughs> working his games, and I, the when he was talking about the uh, the idea that you know he never, um, what was it? He he was he, if his team was playing like crap that night, and there was a dead ball and you were over near the table he'd he'd start yelling i'm not yelling at you i gotta make these kids think that you know i'm in your in your kitchen and you know i need you to work harder but you're doing a great game tonight i always like dave's approach um bobby larica at at uh at the time warren western reserve eventually uh um merged with warren g harding and um, that was a guy that knew I was young and, um, you know, challenged me to be the best official I could be. Um, I, I always, uh, wanted to go out and make sure that, you know, everything I did that night was spot on. Um, yeah, there's, there's a, there's a couple characters, Don Andres from Niles McKinley. I remember, and they had an old pit gym too. I mean, it was dark and dank and, you know, it was a, he was a fiery guy and I remember one time um, I called something and he turned around and ran up about four rows um, and I got done reporting I said if you, if your feet come back down on the floor <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna ring you up and so he just kind of sheepishly got that back down <laughs> on the floor and took his key like a man but uh, yeah there's some there's some characters both northwest ohio and northeast ohio that's the beauty of you know i guess the the beauty of moving a couple times you know east to northwest and back to the northeast it's uh you know, these, that's what makes officiating such a treat to me. 
you talked about ringing any uh, a coach up. Uh, any any humorous stories about any technical files that you were able to distribute? Well, one uh, comes to mind specifically. Um, I was at Warren Harding and Andy uh, Vukovic. I think he's now the head coach at uh, Kent McKinley. He had a D1 prospect. Uh, Ian Fulmer, I think Ian ended up going to West Virginia. And um, I am the C, and Ian is uh, right in front of the uh, the lead, does a drop step, but he just he buries a guy, and we have a offensive foul, charging foul. And um, so the so the uh, and I'm table side. So you know the calling official comes up, reports, and goes back because we're going the other way. And Andy starts going off. I mean, just it was a great call. And I looked at him and I said, Andy, what do you want? He goes, Timmy, Timmy. <laughs> and I said, Why? He goes, I've been trying to get that kid to do that move for two years, and he finally does it. And he gets a foul call. He goes, I need to show him. I said, you're serious? He goes, to me now. So, <laughs> I was like, okay. I wound up. I think I almost broke my middle finger when I put, you know, because I wanted it to have the the effect that I think Andy wanted. But, yeah, I think that's the only coach that's ever asked me to, to ring him up. But, yeah. What about the coach it's, that comes to you, Matt, and he says, um, come on, Matt, you're better than that. You know, a lot of us officials hear that during the game. What's your response to a coach when he says that or she says that? Really, I, Mark, I, I really, um, I really struggle to um, engage if that's the, um, if that's going to be the tactic mm-hmm. of a coach. I, I prefer to, uh, you know, at least, let them know I hear you. Um, I, you know, I don't. I don't think it's appropriate for us to have much of a discussion at all with a coach. I, I don't think there's in, there's generally more negative than positive that can come out of having a, a prolonged or even a brief discussion with a coach when he's not. You know, we're we're not focused on the things we need to focus on. Um, you know, I I think good communication can be effective, but you know, in those kind of situations, or you know, he's like, well, you need to help Mark out because he's struggling that night, or you know, you're better than that. Well, you know what? I guess internally, I might say, you know what? I'm gonna make sure that he doesn't have a leg to stand on, I, and I'll probably always look inward, right? I always want to self-assess and make sure that I. Could he? Could he be right? Generally, I think these guys are are, are just looking to vent. But you know, I'm 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 not a big fan of. While I think I'm a good communicator, I just I think that um, the less you engage, the the less trouble you're going to have. Does that make sense? Absolutely, totally agree. And uh, you know, it goes back to the old uh, saying, I guess you you answer questions um, and you leave the statements alone, and uh, that's. I've heard that from a couple of uh, officials that I've interviewed, and and you're kind of uh, flowing along in that same uh, in that same area as well. So that's uh, definitely totally agree with you on that. So that is the end of our first quarter. We are going to go to the second quarter. In the second quarter, we talk about players and communications, and and I know. Uh, again, you know, Matt, you're such a good communicator. What do you say about working with players? What's helped you the most in communicating with them? Well, I think it starts when you come out on the floor. Um, you know, when you guys, have, when we've all completed our pregame and you tape the floor, um, you know, these, you know, these kids are, you know, going through layups or shooting shots and, um, you know, I, you know, shooting jump shots and whatnot. I, I think your demeanor as a crew when you take the floor gives them the first impression that um, you're looking forward to tonight or this afternoon um, you know I think in the captain's meeting um, you know I try to uh, impress respect um, you know for their opponents um, their teammates and of course the officials 
uh, most recently, I don't know where I picked it up, um, but I've started to ask the captains on each team, are you captains because you're leaders or because you're the best players on your team? Hmm. And, it, and it, it does stop them. I mean, they need to think about it for a moment. And, and certainly, I, I think I've had one kid say he's the best player, but <laughs> most of them embrace the, the leadership role as a captain. And, and I encourage them to be leaders and, and I, you know, a smile again, it's um, even I'll take the mask down, but you know um, this year when you've got a stoppage, but um, you know, I, I think that's really important that, and, and you tell those kids that, you know, this is the only game in town tonight and they're here to see you. So, you know, when you, when you're a positive guy, or gal and and you can um you can share that positivity with players and coaches be it in you know the pre captain's pregame meeting or the coach's pregame meeting um i think there's some appreciation for that one of the things we talk about in this segment is proactive officiating where we uh, throughout the game we can talk to the players talk them out of situations where uh, we can just keep a continuous flow, hopefully, to the game anyways. Um, talk about how you do that throughout the game and how effective it's been for you. Well, certainly every game's different. I don't think I've ever worked two games that are exactly the same. But I, I think, you know, you, you try and establish something at the outset of the game. You know, we, I know in pregames we talk about the fact that, you know, that first foul really needs to be a good foul. Right. You know, let's try and establish some flow, um, you know, and then where it can where I think I can influence um, proactive officiating or preventative officiating is in the post. Um, You know, when you got a couple of football players (laughs) wanting to, you know, bang on each other and, uh, you know, uh, and that's going to interrupt play. I, I think you can talk to them a little bit, um, you know, just, and, and listen, I, when I played, um, I probably wasn't the cleanest player. Um, um, I, I mean, I was, I was prone to, you know, grabbing shorts and grabbing shirts and holding on to a little bit. So, um, you know, what's the old saying? If you want to, if you want to catch a, um, if you want to catch a thief, hire a cat burglar. So, um, you know, kind of having, having, uh, played ball that way. I think I'm my, my radar's on for the, you know, the proactive stuff. And I think, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, an extra bump after a shot, um, you know, as the kids walk into the free throw line or, you know, somebody makes a, drains a three and they turn around and they want, you know, I want to say something to the defender. Those are the things that I'm, you know, especially sensitive to. So if given the opportunity and it, and it doesn't stop play, those are, those are encouraging words that, you know, listen, we can, we can do without that. But, you know, generally I think, um, you know, anything you can do to, uh, you know, make sure that there's flow, um, and and nip it in the bud before it becomes a, a thing. I think that's good for the game. Yep. Well, you know, Matt, it is halftime right now, so let's take a quick break. We're going to hear from Anchor.fm, and uh, we'll be right back. Ever have a thought while you're listening to this podcast? Man, I really wished he would ask this specific question. Well, if there's a question that you would like to ask an official, let me know. Uh, send an email with your question to markfralick at hotmail.com. That's mark, M-A-R-K-F-R-O-E-L-I-C-H at hotmail.com. Please include your name and where you're from, and I will ask one of the officials in an upcoming episode uh, your question. So welcome back, and Matt. Let's talk a little bit about every. You know, each week we hear, "Hey, ref," right? And uh, we want to know what Matt has to say about uh, PQ2 LLC. Matt, talk a little bit about how uh, your company can help the officials that are listening. Well, you know, and 
I, PQ2 is the second generation of the company that I formed in 97, PolyQuest Incorporated. So uh, I've spent all my life in plastics manufacturing. Um, PQ2 is the next generation. It is, is strictly um, engineered resin, thermoplastic resin distribution. We're buying and reselling, um, you know, um, engineered thermoplastics to injection custom injection molders and profile extruders blow molders people like that um and it's just been a wicked uh, market that we've been in since the pandemic manufacturing is smoking hot right now and you know trying to keep people in resin is uh, you know that's that's the challenge and we're a solution-based um supplier we we get called in when people struggle with um you know challenges of developing a, a launching a project and i think based on my injection molding background my resin expertise um you know that's how we uh, that's how we tend to be successful so um yeah how it helps an official hey if you're <laughs> if you're wanting to make something out of plastic call me <laughs> but uh, that's that's what we do. We're kind of quirky, um, you know. We don't go out and bang on doors. Um, we've, we're a relationship based um, type um, company that uh, we've got, you know, got a lot of years in the industry, and um, we're very proud of how not only what we do. I think the the thing that separates us is how we do it. We're high on integrity and ethics and. And, you know, once you work with us, it's it's nice to, you know, have that have that kind of relationship where you're the where you're the go to guys. Yeah. And uh, we we certainly appreciate uh, you sponsoring this podcast and uh, uh, allowing other officials to have that opportunity to take advantage about with uh, with what you're offering as well. So uh, let us head now to our third quarter where we talk about officials and their cohesiveness with each other and crew dynamics. So Matt, talk about how officials can improve that crew cohesiveness throughout the game, not just at pregame, but throughout the game. Well, the interesting thing, you know, I think I've got three chapters in my 34 years of officiating, obviously, uh, you know, being bread and buttered down in the Trumbull County, Warren, Youngstown area, um, you know, was it was organic and it was working with a lot of very good officials. And then in 97, moving over to uh, northwest Ohio and, you know, trying to navigate and find my way to, uh, um, you know, build a schedule with different assigners um, and then moving back to northeast Ohio in the uh, in the Akron Cleveland area, not getting all the way back down to Warren. I'd like to call myself. I'm the chameleon um, <laughs> because I end up working with um, a, 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 as being part of a crew. I'm generally the one guy, the other two guys know each other fairly well. And I'm the guy that um, I'm that third guy and, and I'm not their buddies. You know, I, I might, have seen them at a, an association meeting, um, especially up in the Cleveland area. Um, but you know, these are guys that have probably worked together, you know, pick a number seven, eight, nine times before, and we're working together for the, as a crew for the first time. So I'm, I'm the new guy. Uh, even though I've got 34 years of experience, I'm the new guy. And, and so I think cohesiveness and, and, you know, the, um, the way we go out and officiate it's incumbent upon me i mean i've got to call the game that i'm accustomed to calling but certainly uh adaptability and being flexible to maybe tonight's a different night because i'm working with guys for the first time and we all love you know we all love working with guys that we've worked with a bunch before because we know exactly how we're going to, you know, what kind of a game we're going to have. And if certain things pop up, right. You and Joe are a great example of that. Um, I, on the other hand, uh, have, I embrace it. Uh, I find myself being that guy that 
you know, tonight's going to be different. Let's see how it unfolds. And, um, you know, I think the pregame establishes quite a bit of philosophy and uh, exchange of ideas. And um, it's worked out so well. I, I can't remember a time where being that chameleon has, you know, caused me any angst. Yeah. yeah. What advice do you have for younger officials who would like to move from the lower levels up to the varsity? Well, I, I alluded to it early. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I, I was fortunate and blessed to have, you know, a couple, three or four guys um, see that maybe I had, you know, a basketball IQ and, and they kind of fast tracked me. Um, but I think today, you know, in, in hindsight, I, I was very fortunate. But I think the thing that's most obvious or the thing that's most lacking that if I could encourage, you know, a, a, a younger official and that's, you know, be committed, but be patient. And in previous uh, previous guests on the podcast, Mark, have talked about over and over and over again. So it really should not be a surprise. Don't be in a rush. Um you know, I, I got the baptism by fire early on, but if you can avoid some of those more uncomfortable situations, and maybe that's, maybe that's part of the reason why we're having trouble retaining young officials is because they, they think they know what they want and they get it. And, you know, sooner than they might have been ready for it and, you know, get out into a, you know, a, pressure cooker of a situation and whether it's a coach or fan or you know whatever um have have a bad experience and and they you know they what am what am i doing here you know people are yelling at me um you know it's i i i think patience and commitment if you can if you can leverage that and and not want it now and i think it'll serve you well um, the longer you officiate. So it, it's part of this quarter in the third quarter where I like to have um, a guest question from an official. And so if any officials that are listening would have a question for future officials, you can email me at markfralick at hotmail.com and uh, we'll include that question to future officials. But this one I want to address to you, Matt, is uh, off a of Facebook page. So this was supposed to be, this is what the official says, this was supposed to be my first full year. I took every game offered to me starting last October. In brief, in my brief, maybe five or six games I got last year as an official. Um, I was pumped. I felt like I learned a lot this summer talking to guys. Well, then everything got canceled. So uh, short story long, he planned on being much better at this point. Uh, if, if I said that I had 15 games total, that would be on the high side. My first varsity game is next Tuesday, and honestly, they're pretty nervous about it. I simply do not have the mechanics down yet in the moment, like without thinking and possibly forgetting information, if that makes sense. I'm going to call my partners tomorrow and fill them in on the experience situation, but what advice or pointers would you have? I know what I would say, because it seems like there's some limited experience here. But let me hear what you have to say about that. Well, I just think this is a great opportunity as a veteran official to embrace somebody who's really opened up to you, who's sincerely looking for a way to be accepted. And, and um, you know, you got to you got to respect uh, this person's, uh, you know, openness to, um, you know, understanding what his strengths or their strengths or, or limitations are. But, you know, I would tell that person, you know, st- study the rules, study mechanics um, to the point where it's second nature, you know, watch guys on TV, get in front of the mirror, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Practice, practice your uh, signals. I think, um, you know, that moment from the time you put on, you know, put air in the whistle until you give a preliminary signal can be an eternity. Um, so, you know, let that moment breathe. I mean, it's, it is a, it is a brief amount of time, but when I'm working with, you know, I'll, I'll drop down work a seventh and eighth grade doubleheader just because I think that's part of, you know, those kids deserve, 
you know, those, those, those younger kids deserve a, a, a well-officiated contest as, as, you know, for the effort they're putting in. And I, t- I tell young officials just because you get the whistle error in the whistle and your hand goes up, that's a moment where you can just breathe and think about what's coming next. Um, and don't be in a rush. And, um, and, and I think the, the final thing I'll say to this person is, you know, when you, when next Tuesday night, when you're with those two more senior officials, um, enjoy it. Um, the, and those two officials, I guarantee you are going to help this, um, younger official, um, get to the right spots just by moving, um, and, and getting into the, you know, whatever the rotation is, um, you know, if you turn around and you think you've, you're inclined to go somewhere and there's already somebody there, you know, you need to just fill in, right? So, yeah, good luck next Tuesday. So that's the end of our third quarter. We're going to head to the fourth quarter now, Matt, and where we talk just a variety of different questions. We always begin the fourth quarter with this scenario, though. The game's tied 60-60. There's five seconds remaining in the game. Team A has the inbound underneath their own basket. They've called timeout. What are you and your partners going to discuss during the timeout? Well, we're going to make sure that the clock starts. Uh, we're going to be watching the benches in case that five-second count gets deep and he needs to call another timeout. Um, who's counting? Who's killing the last-second shot? And, um, you know, uh, if there's a foul, let's make sure it's a Let's make sure it's a really, it's a foul. And, you know, we don't want anything cheap to decide the game. And if it's a foul, it's a foul, whether it's first minute of the game or last five seconds. But, you know, let's make sure we've been consistent. We're not going to come up with something screwy. As you look at your career so far, what are some of the games that you remember the most? I, I think the uh, the biggest games, you know, when you, you know, in Ohio, when you get on the tournament trail, mm-hmm. um, you know, those always are, are the most memorable. I guess my first girls regional down at the uh, uh, Canton Civic Center uh, was Wadsworth and Wooster girls. And uh, it was the place was a sea of red. I could not get – I had chewing gum. I could not get saliva until midway through the second quarter. <laughs> I, I, I was as cotton-mouthed and as nervous as, as that was. You talk about, you know – getting what you asked for too soon i that was probably year five or six as an official and i I wasn't ready i mean we we had a good game and everything but man that was uh that first one was was something else for sure what's the scariest thing that has ever happened to you on the court or possibly off the court whether it's with a fan coach or a player it was both on and off the court you know i show up at a game and this is at Youngstown Cheney and some guy girls game, some guy yells, go back to Warren where you belong. And I'm going, how's that guy know I'm from Warren? So I, you know, towards the end of the game, I told the cop at the end of the gym, I said, don't leave. <laughs> and, uh, I might want to, uh, escort out to the car. And sure enough, we walk, there's nobody in the parking lot snow all over the place. And in the back corner of the parking lot, this car starts up and starts making a beeline for this cop, Youngstown cop and I, wow. we actually had to move out of the way behind the building. Um, and this guy had some things to, I don't think he was inviting me to Christmas dinner, but he said some things as he was leaving the parking lot. And yeah, that might, that might rank up there. I don't think wow. anybody's ever been run over by a fan. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty intense right there, especially with you're you're with a cop. I mean, that's uh, that's a little risky. Yeah, but he was on two feet like I was. It wasn't like I was getting a ride to my car. I mean, we were both sitting ducks there. Yeah. He, you know, so we slipped behind the building. <laughs> Okay, well, that is uh, that's all four quarters. We are going to head to the post game now, Matt. And uh, I, I love this question because we talk about the uh, brotherhood and sisterhood of officiating. And you know, you and I have known each other for um, twenty three years, and and it's just it, every year we have some great conversations about basketball, about faith, about family, and 
And then uh, and then you also have the drives to the games, and you have the post-game destinations and the drives home. So talk a bit about those moments, the brotherhood, the sisterhood of wearing the stripes. Well, um, you know, because I spend a lot of time behind the wheel, you know, um, early on I would be the designated driver, uh, if you will, for the two varsity guys. Um you know, they always had a little brown bag in the, in the car. So, um, but later on when, you know, when I got into sales and, you know, would end up going to the game from my last appointment, I didn't have a lot of rides to the game. What I really thought was cool though, in Northwest Ohio, um, in the Northwest district, you have a lot of little towns that you go to and, you know, even the Salinas and the Wapaks and, and places like that, the local radio stations were always something that I look forward to listening to their, you know, whether they were completing, you know, action or their post games or the scoreboard shows, because they would always mention an official. I think Andy, uh, Andy Briggle and Rick Heisler at WBNO, I always enjoyed catching their games, you know, after I my game finished, I just thought that was always kind of you know, that that small radio station, you know, what however many watt stations they were, you get twenty miles from them and you lose them and you just flip the dial over <laughs> to the next one and you kind of knew that the Archibald station, the Bryan station, the Defiance station, they would all have something to do with high school basketball. So yeah. that's what I always enjoyed immensely was that vibe. What's the best advice that you have ever received from a basketball official? Well, and it wasn't that long ago. So that tells you mm-hmm. that, you know, if we're, we're constant learners, um, during a pregame, he said, you know, we're going to figure out in the first few minutes what kind of flow we're going to have. And then he said something really interesting that, that has panned out, seemingly panned out every time. And that is when that first substitution takes place, whatever flow we've had, whatever kind of game we've had, it's the game is going to change. And I use that as a pregame point. Now, when that first substitution happens, whatever we've been experiencing, it's going to be different. The game's going to be different. And um, generally it, it works out that way, Mark. That is very true. I've never heard that before. And if you think about the games, that's uh, that's definitely something I'm going to start incorporating into my pregame as well. So that's great. How has conditioning changed for you from the season to the off season? Well, in the off season, I, I'm not eating a quarter pounder with cheese at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> Enough said. Okay. <laughs> in the uh, post game section, we, uh, you know what? I can't go through this without talking about family life because, um, you know, the post game section really does have that uh, aspect to it because, you know, when we're done with the game, we go home back to our families. And throughout your career, you're the owner of a business. Uh, you've got two children. You've got a, a wife of, of many, many years. Um, how has officiating changed over the year, years for you and and uh, how it affects family life? Well, I, I married a, a, saint. a godly woman. You married, married a, a saint. saint. Yes. yes, her name is Saint Michelle. <laughs> um, we, just, we celebrated 40 years at the end of October this oh, year. Oh, that's great. Um, and she has, um, she's... she's let me officiate. Um, you know, I've got two dates that I that I will not officiate her birthday, December 16th. Yes. A couple of days ago mm-hmm. and, and my birthday in February. So, um, she knows that if I'm not sitting on the couch, I'm out running up and down the floor, then, you know, there's some, there's some benefit to that. And, um, you know, back in the day I used to take the Nick and Jess to games with me and feed them popcorn, hot dogs and all that other stuff. But, uh, you know, when we became empty nesters, uh, um, you know, it's a little, your, your schedule frees up obviously. And, um, that's probably been the, uh, the biggest, you know, influence or impact on family life and, and officiating, but it's like anything, Mark, it's, it's about balance, right? Yep. 
Well, let's uh, end our post game now and we head to the five quick decisions. And so, Matt, we went through this a little bit ago uh, to determine which questions we're going to ask. And, and we always know the first one. The first one has to do with food. What kind of great food that we receive after the ball game? What's your favorite? Well, I actually took a game living here in the Cleveland area. I actually took a game in Archibald thinking that they would have the <laughs> kettle corn. And after a two-hour drive to work that game, I found out that kettle corn was only for girls, and it was a, a girls' games, and it was a boys' game. <laughs> so I think Archibald gets top prize for uh, uh, girls' games. They have the kettle corn. Burton Berkshire, in the middle of Geauga County over here, has hands down the best hot dogs. Um, that, really? You know, beats any stadium hot dog. Wow. And then um, West Branch down in Mahoning County has that shredded chicken sandwich kind of thing. So um, they, they, they always treated you very nicely when you, uh, when you end up at West Branch. Question two, what's the best facility you've ever worked? Best facility I ever worked. You know, the, the places that I like to go are the, the pit gyms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I think like uh, over in the Northwest, it's, does Salina still play in that little pit yep, gym where your sure uh, fans are up above? Yeah. Um, there's that. There's the Canton Fieldhouse for tournaments. Uh, Ashtabula Lakeside has a more modern facility. But I like pit gyms because you don't have to worry about you know, running into fans or, you know, whatnot, if they're up above, um, you know, it's you, the players and the benches. I, I just especially like that kind of a unencumbered, um, you know, game night yeah. where, you, where you know you're not going to have to worry about that kind of thing. How about the toughest facilities that you've ever worked? There are two. Okay. One, one here in Northeast Ohio is, and it's pronounced Vienna. It's not Vienna. Vienna Matthews High School. Um, I, I swear that that's the one place where there is there could be, you know, if you had a size 12 shoe, you couldn't stand uh, on the end line without touching the uh, the padding of the of the uh, <laughs> the end of the gym. So you're running down there and you have your hand out while you're looking back, making sure that you don't face plant in the pads and then in Northwest Ohio, I, I know they built a new school, but I could never get over running on a stage at striker. Yeah. I just always felt like I was, and I, I probably compensated by coming in from the sideline a good six, seven feet because I just, every time I took off, it's like, I'm going to end up in the first row and have popcorn all on me, all over <laughs> me. So, uh, okay, what's the funniest thing a coach ever said to you? Well, this is what I feel terrible about. I, I have hearing aids. And <laughs> two years ago, um, I was at a game, doing a game down at Canton South. And um, I might have been 10, 15 feet. Um, I was the new, I was becoming the new lead. And the Canton South coach, after a made bucket, was trying to call timeout. And I didn't hear him. And, um, you know, finally the other guy from across uh, the, the sea saw him and called the timeout. And I turned around and he goes, I've been yelling at you for a timeout. God is my witness. About two weeks later, I went out and got here. And <laughs> so it's not the funniest thing. I felt terrible because it, it literally had an impact on the game. If he had gotten that timeout when he asked for it, you know, and who knows? It, it could have, the game could have turned out differently so it's not funny <laughs> it is funny right? i mean the, the situation isn't funny but the fact that you had to go out and get hearing aids is funny i'm sorry <laughs> do you know how expensive those things are yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding uh what final question what's the oddest thing that has ever happened to you as an official and i love this one oddest thing that's ever happened to me um it, it was actually a precursor to um to my first varsity assignment um youngstown liberty at kinsman badger um and the jv coach george i was working a jv game george the jv coach used to like to kneel 
out in front of the bench and his knee was extending past the sideline. There was a quick break going the other way. I turned and tripped over George's extended knee, burnt a hole in my um, polyester pants, got up, uh, you know, thank goodness you talk about, uh, what do they call those? Um, what kind of burns are those? Well, the rug burns, right? Rug burns, yes. Yeah. Burn a hole in my pants, got up, still made it to the to the end line, called the foul, marked the bucket, and went and reported. And I looked at George and I said, if you don't get back. And after the game, Bobby Patton came over and said, listen, you can work any varsity game um, that I've got. And so that might be the oddest and most fortuitous thing that I've ever experienced. <laughs> Great story. Well, hey, ref, I want to thank Matt Kearns for taking the time out of his schedule to be part of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fralick podcast. Matt, uh, Matt, a great friend of mine, always will be. I appreciate the time. Have a Merry Christmas. Uh, this has been uh, just a lot of fun and a lot of great information, so thank you. Hey, Mark, finish strong. And that closes another episode of the High School Basketball Referee with Mark Fraley podcast. I appreciate you taking the time to listen. Until next time, have a great day. Brighten someone's day with a smile. And God bless.